uh, among, among other things, these are not the only two things that I want to do tonight, but these are two important things I want to do. I want to uh, read a good bit of scripture tonight together, and I'd also have an article for us to look at uh, uh, closer to the end. But as I said, those are not the only two things that we'll do. Song of Solomon, you guys there? Uh, chapter 1, verse 1. Let's uh, give our attention to the reading of God's word. The Song of Songs, which is Solomon's. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is better than wine. Your anointing oils are fragrant. Your name is oil poured out. Therefore, virgins love you. Draw me after you. Let us run. The king has brought me into his chambers. We will exult and rejoice in you. We will extol your love more than wine. Rightly do they love you. I am very dark, but lovely. O daughters of Jerusalem, like the tents of Kedar, like the curtains of Solomon, do not gaze at me because I am dark, because the sun has looked upon me. My mother's sons were angry with me. They made me keeper of the vineyards, but my own vineyard I have not kept. Tell me, you whom my soul loves, where you pasture your flock, where you make it lie down at noon. For why should I be like one who veils herself beside the flocks of your companions? If you do not know, O most beautiful among women, follow in the tracks of the flock and pasture your young goats beside the shepherd's tents. I compare you, my love, to a mare among Pharaoh's chariots. Your cheeks are lovely with ornaments, your neck with strings of jewels. We will make for you ornaments of gold studded with silver. Verse 12, Song of Solomon, chapter 1. While the king was on his couch, my nard gave forth its fragrance. My beloved is to me a sachet of myrrh that lies between my breasts. My beloved is to me a cluster of henna blossoms in the vineyards of Engedi. Behold, you are beautiful, my love. Behold, you are beautiful. Your eyes are doves. Behold, you are beautiful, my beloved. Truly delightful. Our couch is green. The beams of our house are cedar. Our rafters are pine. Chapter 2, verse 8. The voice of my beloved. Behold, he comes. Leaping over the mountains. Bounding over the hills. My beloved is like a gazelle or a young stag. Behold, there he stands behind our wall, gazing through the windows, looking through the lattice. My beloved speaks and says to me, Arise, my love, my beautiful one, and come away. For behold, the winter is past, the rain is over and gone. The flowers appear on the earth, the time of singing has come, and the voice of the turtle dove is heard in our land. The fig tree ripens its figs, and the vines are in blossom. They give forth fragrance. Arise, my love, my beautiful one, and come away. O oh, my dove, in the clefts of the rock, in the crannies of the cliff, let me see your face. Let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. 
catch the foxes for us, the little foxes that spoil the vineyards, for our vineyards are in blossom. My beloved is mine, and I am his. He grazes among the lilies until the day breathes and the shadows flee. Turn, my beloved, be like a gazelle or a young stag on cleft mountains. Well, look again at uh, verse 2 there of chapter 1. Verse 2 of chapter 1, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is better than wine. Uh, Let me open, uh, Sean uh, O'Donnell says this. He says, as we move from the tame title, notice his alliteration, he'll pick it up again. As we move from the tame title, which is verse 1, the Song of Songs, which is Solomon's, into the titillating text of 2 through 4, I want you to note that there is no gradual acclamation into this song's theme. The song does not warm us up to the ideas ahead. Instead, it's a baptism by fire. 20th century film director Sam Goldwyn, who I assume means, you know, Metro Goldwyn Mayor or whatever, once suggested that for a successful film, you need to start with an earthquake and then work your way up to the climax. Well, here is an earthquake of eros, of erotic love. In other words, what he's saying, of course, what Goldwyn is saying is for a successful film, you start with an earthquake and then you work up to the really big thing. Obviously, the earthquake is a big enough thing of its own. And what he's saying is, well, we're starting with a bang here. You only have to wait one verse until, boom, you're right into the, uh, the big idea, kind of. So it has been said uh, that the theme, you could say that the theme of the Song of Songs, I will alternate, perhaps, between Song of Solomon and Song of Songs. My favorite title of the book is Song of Songs. It's been said that the theme is desire, desire. Now, uh, for maybe what you might call an extended uh, devotional, teaching or a briefer sermon tonight, let me give two headings. Let me give two headings. As we look at this book tonight, and by the way, as we look at the Song of Solomon, uh, we're not going to have time to go uh, section by section through the book or verse by verse, but I'm still very excited for us to look at the book. And each time we come together, we'll just take the Song of Solomon. So two headings tonight. Uh, The first is chapter 8, verses 5 through 7. Heading number 1, 8, chapter 8, 5 through 7, okay? Heading number 2 is what we were just looking at for a second, chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, okay? So uh, number 1, heading number 1, Song of Solomon, chapter 8, verses 5 through 7. Now, verse 5 of Song of Solomon 8. Who is that coming up from the wilderness, leaning on her beloved? Under the apple tree I awakened you. If you don't have the ESV, I think most of you do have the ESV. If you don't, maybe it says under the apple tree I roused or I aroused you. Most likely a, a sexual reference there. There your mother was in labor with you. There she who bore you was in labor. 
set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm, for love is strong as death. Jealousy is fierce as the grave. Its flashes are flashes of fire, the very flame of the Lord. Chapter 8, verse 7. Many waters cannot quench love, neither can floods drown it. If a man offered for love all the wealth of his house, he would be utterly despised, which of course is to say that you cannot, love cannot be bought or sold. You can't buy and sell love. Now, as we look at this, kind of the main thing really for the whole book, I've already mentioned that one, of the, one person said the theme for the whole book, you could say is that one word desire, rightly understood, desire. But as we look at this, I want us to think tonight under the, under the rubric, under the general heading of love. I've given you the two headings, but I'm just giving you the general idea, love, okay? And uh, not just any love, but we're also talking about, as the old song says, love and marriage, talking about marriage. So we want to put uh, a word before love, not just love, but marital love, okay? Marital love. Now, words are important. I didn't say uh, martial love or martial love. You want to spell words correctly, right? Not martial love, marital love. Words matter. So my mom told me that uh, just the other week, she was out at dinner with one of her best girlfriends. And with a very straight face, her girlfriend sat across the table and was extolling the virtues of suppository preaching. <laughs> and... Uh, we all appreciate expository preaching, and if you have the choice between that or what my mother's friend said, let me encourage you to take the former. So uh, again, not, not martial love here, marital love, okay? We're talking about marital love, and the first heading is uh, chapter 8, verses 5 through 7. Now, in chapter 8, 5 through 7, this has been the reason we go here, again, I don't think there's you know, any harm in going, uh, first of all, kind of straight to the end of the book, all right? Because we're looking at it with the whole thing in mind. In fact, I don't, I don't take the view that this whole book develops like a story and that it's just this happens and then this happens and it's chronological. I don't necessarily think that's exactly what's going on. I think there's some of that, but I think it cycles in some ways as well, right? Now, this has been described, verses 5 through 7, as kind of the literary climax of the book. If, if there is a place in the Song of Songs that we find a, uh, well, I was about to say a simple definition, if we find a definition of love, this is probably as close as you're going to get to a definition of love, uh, Song 8, 5 through 7, the literary climax of the book. Now, let me ask you a question. Feel free to answer. Where do we find in the New Testament uh, a definition of love? Where do we find that? Elders cannot answer. I'm looking for members here. Elders are members too, but where? Where do we find in the New Testament? Where, where might we go to say there's a definition of love? 1 Corinthians 13. Absolutely. Thank you. You don't have to turn there, but, I, but listen carefully. Listen closely. We're thinking about marriage. We're thinking about love. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. 
It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. Let this wash over you. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8a. That's the middle of 1 Corinthians 13. So we find a definition of love there in the New Testament, and here we find the definition of love. Now, I think maybe there might be some passages of this book of the Bible, this untouchable book of the Bible that we're touching for a few weeks, that you already knew maybe. This might be one of them. Not necessarily that you had this passage memorized, chapter 8, verses 5 through 7, but just glance down at 6 and 7. Maybe you're familiar with these words. You ever heard that before? Verse 7, many waters cannot quench love, neither can floods drown it. You've heard that before. Many of you have. And so this is a familiar passage, and rightly so. Let me tell you the point that I want to make, and I, and I always want to be just faithful to the text. That's what, that's what, that's what our goal is, right? that God speaks to us through his word. Not only is our first heading these three verses, but let me tell you the point. Point number one, you ready? Point number one is this. Love is more than physical intimacy. Okay, let me say it again. Point number one, drawn from this text right here. Love is more than physical intimacy. Now, when I refer tonight to physical intimacy, I'm talking about intercourse, okay? Love is more than physical intimacy. Look at verse five. Look at it again. Who is that coming up from the wilderness? Leaning on her beloved. Notice that phrase, leaning on her beloved. It, this is probably not a phrase that would describe uh, sexual intimacy, that phrase, leaning on her beloved, which is actually unusual because the course, the pattern of the book is to work through some things, to work through uh, uh, bodily description, and to get to that point of physical intimacy. It, it normally, in this book, it terminates. The, the end point of any of these cycles is physical intimacy, the way that I described it to you a minute ago. But leaning on her beloved is more of a picture of marriage that love is more than physical intimacy. Love involves the woman, the wife, leaning on her husband in all the various ways that you might think that that means. Leaning on her husband. Now, verse five is not without its most probable reference to physical intimacy, but then again, look at verse six. Glance down at verse six. Set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm. For love is as strong as death. Jealousy is fierce as the grave. Its flashes are flashes of fire. At the beginning of verse 6, you can see here she's expressing this desire. She wants this desire for permanence. She wants this desire for publicness. She wants it to be known she wants people to see her man and to know that his loyalties are to her. 
let's have some type of sign. Maybe you could think of it as, as this, as a wedding ring. Set me as a seal upon your heart, as a, key word again, as a seal upon your arm. The only thing that's certain in life, we are told, is death and taxes. Uh, death uh, attains all that it seeks. We all die. But this says love is as strong as death. Jealousy, a good type of jealousy, is fierce as the grave. The very, what's the last part of verse 6 say if you've got the ESV? It says what? The very flame of the Lord. This is the time, singular, that, that God is mentioned in this book. You know, you think about the book of Esther or other wisdom literature. It, it's about God's people being in covenant with God. This is the time, singular, in this book when the name of the Lord is mentioned. This is a good gift from God. God did not make us to be super spiritual and to shun the physical. This marriage is a good gift from God. Physical intimacy within marriage is something over which he delights. God invented love. It's the very flame of the Lord. You know, you can have a huge fire. You can have a really large fire. But if you have enough water, there are very few exceptions to the fact that that water can extinguish the fire. Regardless of the size of the flame, if there is enough water present, then the water will drench the fire. But notice what verse 7 says, many waters cannot quench love, neither can floods drown it. This is as powerful as death, and this is a good gift of God. If a man offered for love all the wealth of his house, he would be foolish. He would be foolish. Now, I want to point out something to you very quick. Without looking, what is the book that comes after the Song of Solomon? Isaiah. Dave Overman said that first. See me tonight for your cash prize. Okay. Now you look at verses six and seven, and it's talking about fire. And it's talking about what in verse seven? It's talking about love, or it's talking about water. Two things that, that normally spell danger in the world. If these things are unbridled, unbridled fire, unbridled water, that's dangerous. And desire can be dangerous, but desire is good. And then I just want to notice that this is very similar to Isaiah 43.2. Now listen, you know this. Pat knows, I know, I think is one of her favorite verses, I think. Listen, when you pass through the waters, God says, I want to draw your attention to God. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. And we could add that I am the one. God is love. I am the one who gives human love. So you want to compare Song of Solomon 8, 6, and 7 with Isaiah 42, or Isaiah 43, 2. Man, love is powerful. It is powerful. Because God ordains love, God ordains marriage, and it actually, it can. It can withstand whatever is, whatever is thrown up against it. Now, before we leave this, and I'm probably not going to spend nearly as long on the second point, okay? So, again, this, what is the point here? 
Love is more than physical intimacy. Let me give you a few quotes before we leave that, okay? A few quotes. Here we get a picture of mature intimacy, one that teaches that the climax of love is not sex but relationship. What does he say back in 5.16? This is my beloved, my friend. Another quote, the men are learning that, of course, C.S. Lewis was the greatest of evangelicals. C.S. Lewis talked about a love that involves what? Mere ease and ordinariness. No need to talk, no need to make love, no needs at all except perhaps to stir the fire. And when his wife died, the thing that he missed the most was the tiny, heartbreaking commonplace. Friendship, relationship. One more quote. I told you already, this is the literary climax of the whole thing. And one faithful pastor and commentator says this, here at the climax of the whole song, there is no climaxing. This is the opposite of the modern romantic movie, the opposite of the modern movie in which all builds toward the bedroom scene or scenes plural. Here we get a picture of mature intimacy. Oh yeah, by the way, Six and seven speak of covenant and commitment. That's what marriage is at the heart. It absolutely includes passion. Do not divorce the affections from Christianity. Don't do it. Don't do it. This whole book is about passion and affections. But I would just remind you that six and seven, the heart of marriage is covenant and commitment. All right, point number one, love is more than physical intimacy. Point number two, remember where I'm going here? Chapter one, right? Chapter one. Point number two, love is certainly not less than physical intimacy. What type of love? Marriage, marriage. Marital love is certainly not less than physical intimacy defined as intercourse. Verse two, of song chapter one. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is better than wine. Your anointing oils are fragrant. Your name is oil poured out, therefore virgins love you. Draw me after you, let us run. The king has brought me into his chambers. And so you remember what I said earlier, you know, the movie starts with the earthquake. This book starts right out with the, with the flame of desire. And yes, verse four is what it is. Draw me after you, let us run. The king has brought me into his chambers. And then the only thing left, as one man put it, the only thing left after verse four is just for the choir to sing. And that's actually what happens in verse 4b. The choir sings. We will exult and rejoice in you. We will extol your love more than wine. Rightly do they love you. So if point number one, if point number one was that love is more than physical intimacy, normally, point number two, normally in marriage, love is certainly not less than physical intimacy. Simple point, right? You see what I'm saying? That doesn't need a whole lot of explanation. Now, there's a one caveat that needs to be made. And I think I'll come back to this. 
physical intimacy doesn't define a person. As though if you live your whole life and never have that, then you're less than a human being. That is not true. That's patently not true. Uh, I gave you a B.B. Warfield quote on Sunday, and I've shared what I'm about to tell you before, but you may remember B.B. Warfield was a very good theologian, aside from, aside from you know, baptism and stuff like that. But he was a very good theologian, produced a lot of stuff, books and teachings and all those types of things 100 years ago. He and his wife went on their honeymoon 100 years ago to Europe. She was struck by lightning when they were very young. He comes back, and the story is told that for the next four decades, he only leaves his house for a few hours at a time for four decades to care for his wife. What a story. What a story. So I say that simply to say that normally speaking, marital love is certainly not less than physical intimacy. But there are cases. There are cases when because of your covenant, because not only do you grit and bear it, but because of the grace of God through Jesus Christ, you do it gladly. And for four decades, you lay down your life for your wife who was struck by lightning in Europe on your stinking honeymoon. And yet God still allows this man to be a prolific author and teacher of the church from whom we all benefit. Love is certainly not less than physical intimacy. Well, I've already mentioned in verse four, draw me after you, let us run. The king has brought me into his chambers. You cannot buy and sell love. This is the furthest thing from cheap uh, purchase love, going to a seedy motel, or as it's been said, the back of a Buick. This is marital love. This is something which God invented, which the pastoral epistles tell us, do not despise this type of thing. Receive food, receive marriage as gifts from God. Give thanks for it and delight in it. And she begins, hear what I just said. She begins, verse 2, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. There were, of course, as you know from your Bible, there were traditional kisses. Greet one another with a holy kiss. This clearly is not that. Although you do have greet, with, greet one another with a holy kiss. You have the type of kiss that a sister and brother might have given each other in public. This also is not that. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. For your love is better than wine. In the Old Testament in particular, wine brings joy and gladness uh, intoxication, yes, but joy, gladness, happiness, you want more of it. And uh, the word love there in verse two for your love, very high likelihood. That's, if not, just go ahead and say it first uh, as it's been translated, love making. Verse three, your anointing oils are fragrant. Your name, young people, you wanna be on the lookout uh, for a person of character. When she talks about name here, one of the things that attracted her to him was his character, was his reputation. And as it's been described for, before, uh, not by me, as it's been described, you want to run hard after Jesus, right, Dave, like Tommy Nelson talks about. You want to be individually, you want to have your eyes fixed on the Lord. Listen to me, teenagers, listen to me. You want to be running hard after Jesus. And so that's you're born again by the grace of God. You're pursuing Christ. And so you're running hard, looking to him. You're not oblivious. Of course, you know that the Lord's made these, these girls beautiful, but you're running hard and you're looking around and you're seeing who's keeping pace with you. 
and you're running and, you, and you're gonna find by God's grace normally uh, because this book shows us that an overemphasis on celibacy just isn't quite right. It is quite normal for most people in the world to be married. And, and, and unless you're prevented somehow, uh, having children in marriage is the expectation. This book addresses that too, although it also talks about sex is not only for that at all. But you want to be running hard and seeing who's there, seeking hard after Jesus as well. And so this is certainly not less than physical intimacy. Let me, let me bring this to a close, at least my, my little part of it here, and maybe it hadn't been so little. All right, now look, what about gender roles? What about gender roles here? Is this actually kind of overturning what we think the rest of the Bible teaches us about gender roles? Uh, another quote. When I put my finger up, that's, that's, that means a quote. <laughs> the woman is no feminist, eager to assert her independent equality with her man. She, now listen, she does not dream of grabbing him and planting a kiss on his lips before pulling him behind her into her bedroom. She does not dream of that. Contrary to a surface reading of this, she wants him to take the lead in the relationship. Yet neither, neither is the girl an emotionally dependent creature who will pine away in silence, waiting forever for the man to make the first move. She expects and longs for the man to provide leadership in their relationship, yet she is not shy about declaring her own hopes and desires for their future together. I hope that made sense. hope it was uh, helpful. It's a quote. It's a finger up in the air. Let me close my part with this. Here's another one. Desire. Let me first of all summarize. Heading number one, eight, five through seven. Um, love is more than physical intimacy. Heading number two, marital love is certainly not less than physical intimacy. One, two through four. Desire, this uh, quote says, is not demonic. Desire is not demonic. Desire is natural. And the consummation of that desire in marriage is good. But it is not necessary. People have died falling from ladders. People have died being stung by a swarm of killer bees. People have died for lack of food and water. But no one has died for lack of sex. I'm not denying that we are sexual beings. But I am denying that the myth that to be truly human is to be sexually active. Don't buy the lie, especially young people. To be truly human, desire is not demonic. Doesn't mean desire can't be dangerous. 1 Thessalonians 4, seek the Lord Jesus Christ in all purity. And God, remember God has given us this entire, this entire book to give his stamp of approval on marriage and on the consummation and the continuation in marriage. There you go. You know, we kind of, uh, in one sense, we kind of just dove in tonight. Let's, let's pull back for a second, all right? Um, I, I need you to look at the page that begins with although and then a parenthetical statement. Make sure you're looking at that page. First word, top of the page, although. 
Really helpful stuff here from uh, Don Carson's robust devotional books, books, plural, called For the Love of God. Now follow along, and I, I hope this will be really helpful for you. I think, it, I think it's really good. Although, or perhaps because, the Song of Songs is one of the most difficult of biblical books, it has been extraordinarily popular with both Jews and Christians. It has called forth a large number of commentaries and sermons. Space here is far too limited for a discussion, but perhaps I should record my tentative conclusions on four matters before reflecting on the first chapter. Number one, although some have denied that this book is about sexual love in any primary sense, but is an allegory of either the love between Yahweh and Israel or between Christ and the church, I doubt it. So many details of Song of Songs are so explicitly human and sexual all the more so when the ancient symbolism is appreciated, that to argue that the meaning of the text is allegorical is unlikely. Moreover, there are many parallels in other love poetry in ancient Near Eastern wisdom literature, so that one must conclude the genre was well known. Now pay special attention to number two. I like this a lot personally. On the other hand, after fully acknowledging the human and sexual love that this book celebrates, for God has made us human and sexual, and wisdom literature often focuses on the glory of the created order, we may not be far off the mark if we also see within the, within the Bible a typological connection with God and Israel, with Christ and the church, for that is a theme repeatedly picked up in both Testaments. What's he saying? In number one, he's saying some people go too far and they say, well, clearly this book, this is only about God and Israel, or this is only about Christ and the church. He said, no, you, you cannot deny that this is about sexual love and about marriage. But then he comes back, and I like that a lot. Number two, we do also, we do not deny that this is, in a sense, about God and uh, Yahweh and Israel, about Christ and the church. Why? Because it's about marriage. You can't talk about marriage in the Bible unless you talk about Christ and the church. You can't do it. Ephesians chapter 5. Number three, some have seen three principal figures in the book, the woman, her shepherd lover, and the lascivious king who is trying to add the woman to his harem. On balance, it seems better to see only two primary parties, the woman and the king slash shepherd slash lover, the daughters of Jerusalem or the daughters of NC State who keep reappearing are the woman's female companions. Number four, Although it is reasonably clear that the consummation, you know what that means, takes place in chapter 3, 6 through 5, 1, complete with wedding song, this does not mean that there are no sexual overtones earlier in the book. Yet far from endorsing promiscuity, the book is committed to exclusive monogamous love. What is less clear is that the thought is sequential, merely linear Hey, I want to encourage your homework tonight. If you want, if you want to take me up on homework, uh, and I hope that you will, I want to encourage you to finish reading this, to go back and reread it. On the back, I've given you chapter three, his devotional on chapter three. I've printed these with permission. Um, in his devotional book, he, he comments on different parts of scripture, so he doesn't do chapter two, by the way. But you'll want to look at the back of chapter three, and you'll, of course you want to read that in tandem with the text, which song chapter three. And it also gets into some more marital matters and things like that. So I hope you will uh, take me up on a little bit of homework on both pages.